You're listening to the really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes. My name is Christian Corley from MakeUseOf.com. Hope you are doing well. I'm joined this week by my MUO colleague, Gavin Phillips. Hey, Gavin. Hey, Christian. How you doing, man? Um, I'm all right. A little bit uh, caught unawares by this week's podcast taking place now rather than in top 40 minutes time. But <laughs> other than that, I'm all good. Coffee at the ready. Uh, how's your weekend been? Uh, weekend was really good, actually. I was in the fair city of Bristol um, in a large nightclub listening to techno music for most of the weekend, which is... Uh, in this day and age, an absolute rarity with uh, three kids and half of a house to rebuild. So it was a very, very welcome weekend off. And, uh, how about yourself? Uh, Weekend-wise, just pretty pedestrian. Although I did, uh, I have been doing some decorating myself and uh, my, my, my laptop was subject to a freak decorating accident. Ooh. And um, so basically what happened, this is where you should always put your laptop away when you're decorating. Or not using it um because i wasn't even decorating in the room where the incident happened uh so basically what happened i was uh changing light switches for getting rid of some tiny old plastic ones replacing them with some uh georgian style light Mm, switches and i went into a bag full of them and there was one that wasn't in its own individual bag and i lifted that one out and then i kind of fumbled it and dropped it and then caught it again and the, the, but I didn't catch it. The hand that caught it kind of swiped at it and sent it sent it flying across the room. Oh, and what? on its way across the room, it scratched my laptop display twice. Oh, no. Yeah. One of them's a really deep cut. So I'm basically, I'm going to have to, it works and there's no leakage at the moment, but it's distracting. It's going to have to be replaced and that's going to set me back like 45 quid. Oh, man, that's painful. Yeah. felt sort of like an eight pound light switch yeah absolutely um i've not got quite the same thing but not long after buying uh this laptop i was up at my folks for part of the summer with the kids and what have you and um a bug crawled behind the screen and i was looking at it i was scratching at the screen like why can't i clean this thing off then realizing it was slowly crawling its way across and i was then willing it and willing it to make its way further into the corner before it died but it didn't so it's two thirds of the way across <laughs> there's a dead bug stuck behind the screen <laughs> so uh and yeah i'm yet to replace it uh, for the same sort of ah uh, money I'll, I'll keep the money and keep looking at the dead bug <laughs> yeah yeah that's it i know yeah it's just How like did oh, get in there uh, i no idea and then i was like looking at all the sort of edges of the thing like oh there must be a crack or something no, nothing. It just it, it found its way in somehow. Some years ago, I reviewed a, um, a an early Windows 8 tablet device. Came out around the same time as the Surface. Um, it was an Acer, and I'm actually I can I've still got it. It's it's done. It's gone around the houses uh, of our family, and it's come back to me. And it's a perfectly good little computer, but the screen has a, a, a huge air bubble. Oh, wow. So, and I think it started when I had it, and it wasn't so big. And now it's sort of almost like the screen is detached. 
from the <laughs> okay. computer. Well, the, the touchscreen works fine, so that's not the problem. It's just that there's this huge air bubble inside it. It's so strange. Um, look, we'll push on, and uh, we're going to just quickly go through what we're going to talk about today. We're going to have a look at a new feature in Android, courtesy of Google. Uh, we're going to find out just how good drones are these days and um, we've got some tips for you as well we're going to be taking a look at ways that you can fix scratch dvds and cds and recover data and how facebook is tracking you and also how to view private facebook profiles because we know you like a bit of facebook content on the really useful podcast uh however we will kick off do you want to uh, lead on this one gavin youtube music now comes pre-installed on android yeah this is the news that uh google is going to well continue phasing out google play but they're actually going to step the efforts up in the coming months uh, and they're going to replace the google play music app on all new androids with youtube music so youtube music is the uh, music focused variant of YouTube uh, and it comes in two flavors there's a there's a free version and a premium version the premium version has arguably what I would say is the feature you really need which is the ability to choose between audio only and audio plus video uh, so for me being pushed into using something like uh, YouTube music is a bit of a no-no uh i'm a bit of a spotify person anyway mm -hmm. but if i did arrive at a phone that had only youtube music um i think i would be maybe slightly disappointed that the basic app doesn't have the option to have audio only yeah uh having said that do you need audio only because if i hook um, for, for example uh, I have a two-year-old, and she likes Peppa Pig. <laughs> uh, in particular, she likes the Bing Bong song. Ah, yeah, I'm very familiar with the Bing Bong song. Many of us are. And <laughs> the only way, really, to get it on in the car is through YouTube. And ah, okay. sync, sync the phone via Bluetooth to the car. Entertainment system. And there's, you know, there's no need for any video to be seen for that so is it is audio only is it a necessary feature do you think um i guess it depends how they work the streaming surely if you are using right the, so for data purposes yeah that's the consideration i would primarily have for most people or if you're out and about somewhere and you've got at least patchy connection audio is going to be slightly less challenging to stream smaller yeah. files okay. um there's, yeah, yeah. there's a fair enough consideration yeah um okay so uh yeah all right so that's uh youtube music so um i mean is there any you say they're uh, retiring google play music so is there any other parts of google play being retired um, not as far as I'm aware, no. I just think right. it's part of moving people towards uh, more of a subscription type thing. Because Google Play Music has its own subscription features, yeah. but I think YouTube Music is more all-encompassing with the with the subscriptions you can get. And YouTube being a bigger name as well. I guess, yeah, more, more open. I guess another concern would be there's all the, uh, you know, like if you get a playlist on Spotify, 
there's the apps that you can use that turn that playlist into uh, a playlist for Google uh, Google Play Music or, or, or an equivalent service. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see what's going to bridge that gap now because presumably they, they're all going to stop working too. Sure, yeah, of course. Okay, so that's YouTube. Music becoming... Uh, you will find it pre-installed on new Android devices. And if anyone's interested in the Bing Bong song, I will include that, along with everything else we discussed in this week's release for podcast, in the show notes. Yeah. You'll wish you'll wish you'd never asked. Mm. Okay, um, <laughs> there's been some. <laughs> Ooh. There's been some uh, discussion over years over the. Um, the use of, stro- of drones and drone technology and whether or not that they are possibly you know, the coming of a dark age of man versus machine. Movies like Terminator 2 and Terminator 3 in particular possibly exacerbated this. There has been a story uh, during the rounds over the past few days of an escaped prisoner who'd been on the run for 17 years spotted by a drone while living in a secret cave drone finds chinese fugitive and it does make you wonder um just how powerful drones are these days and whether that power should really be put in the hands of less than trustworthy nations i don't know what do you think well i think it's a it's a varied thing, surely, isn't it? You only have to look at the uh, the the grounding of all the flights uh, at Gatwick Airport in the UK uh, last Christmas, 2018, that was. Um, so it doesn't even necessarily have to be a less than scrupulous nation. It used to be less yeah. than scrupulous individuals that want to cause, cause mischief. Uh, the flip side of this, of course, is if this was a man who had been missing for a short amount of time on a hiking trip or something drone technology is you know definitely very important for that yeah. sort of thing uh i feel quite sorry in one way for the guy the the articles all talk about he's lost all of his social skills because he's been on his own for uh 17 years and now he's got to go back to prison and relearn it in a presumably quite a harsh environment but um back to the the issue at hand um I think it's a difficult thing to moderate. If everybody's going to have drones, there has to be some moderation to where they can go and what they, they can do. But, I mean, you probably know as well, you you do see them out and about quite often, really. And when you see one, there's there's nothing you can really do about it because you very often can't see who's using it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think, uh, from my point of view, as uh, long-running listeners to the really useful podcast will know, I have use drones and yeah i don't use them that much to be honest with you mainly because of the weather on it's quite windy and it's very easy to lose one <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's say about that on this occasion the better i i do notice his cave was about two meters wide two square mm. meters wide which is probably about the same size as a prison cell oh um, god so it's it's almost as if he became i mean there, there's a story of, of a man who escaped prison and then became a prisoner. Yeah. To himself. Which, you know, 
maybe there'll be a story about this. I'll expect your screenplay uh, any day soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, drones, a force for good or a force for law enforcement will uh, let you decide. No doubt the truth will uh, develop over the years and we will find out whether or not we should all have drones dropping things off to us or if they're just prone to just sort of like collide and crash and burn in the sky every day with your Amazon deliveries. Let's move on to some tips and tricks. Uh, I do, do you know, I have more or less stopped using DVD, uh, sorry, CD-ROMs for data, and the only DVDs I've got really sort of classic movies or classic TV shows that are sort of like re-released. Yeah. Um, most of what I've got is either streamed or Blu-ray. I think, uh, yeah, you know, the advent of streaming services. Uh, and also, you know, it did become drastically easier to actually upload your own videos to your computers, you know, and then storage yep. is now phenomenally cheap compared to even five years ago, really. Um, you know, you can get like a four terabyte hard drive for like under $100 in a sale, which is, you know, more storage than most people ever need ever. So... Um, you can certainly make make do with that sort of thing. Absolutely. However, bearing that in mind, it might be that you've got some old data that you need to get off an optical disc and onto hard disk, and it makes sense. And something that's going to get in the way of that is a scratched CD or DVD. Now, it turns out that even a scratched CD or DVD, you can get the data off it. Uh, optical drives can be persuaded to work using uh, several techniques. The first thing you should do is clean the disc. Um, that is very important using a uh, soft lint-free cloth and a tiny bit of detergent or rubbing alcohol if there's any grease on there. Um, you can, this is incredible, but you can repair scratches on a damaged CD or DVD using toothpaste. What? <laughs> it's absolutely balmy. I know. Um, it's, it's toothpaste. Um, it, the same technique can be used um, with wax, uh, sort of furniture wax or lip balm. Basically, what you do, you put a small amount on the toothpaste onto a, uh, a plate, and then with a wooden toothpick, you apply the filler along the scratch then rub with a suitable cloth and the idea is the laser can still penetrate and the um the refraction caused by the distortion in the refraction caused by the scratch is reduced okay so it doesn't get stuck on that particular bit and that's it yeah that's the idea behind it wow Um, that's not the only way you can also use a light bulb what? Um, hold the disc close to the close to a lamp for around 20 seconds, rotating the disc about 10 centimeters from the lamp, which is about four and a half inches. And this apparently softens the outer layer of plastic. Okay. And uh, you know that works. Now there's another thing with scratch CDs um, or with old CDs and old DVDs that is not perhaps not just scratches that cause the problems. There's a thing called disc rot. Uh, which causes the, uh, the 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 surface that holds the data, usually a met- metal surface, uh, to rot away. Uh, it's a kind. It's not rust, but you know, it's 
it's something that happens to medical surface over time um, that's been sandwiched between these um, polycarbide surfaces. And you can apparently, now I haven't tried this, but I'm reliably informed this does work. Uh, basically, you colour in the holes. What, uh, like a crayon or a... With a, with a marker, with a, a, a oh, sharpie, okay. that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cover the holes, thereby prompting the laser to keep reading. Because when it hits the holes, it'll just stop. Yeah. So you uh, use a piece of tape over each hole and then uh, mark it over with your Sharpie. And this is on the reverse side of the disc, obviously, the label side of the disc. Um, and it should then play. Uh, you'll be oh, able no. to recover most of the data. Obviously, you won't be able to recover what's lost from you know the, the hole because that's gone. That's why it's a hole. Uh, but the rest of it... <laughs> You should be able to retrieve. The disc will not stop reading at the hole. It will carry on. Now, what do you do? You've got the disc. You can read the disc. How do you get the data off? Well, you can just copy it straight to your hard disk drive. That's one way. Mm. Another way is to use recovery software. Um, sort of clone the disc into an ISO file. There's various tools for doing this. There's a tool for Windows called ISO Buster. There's another one called Unstoppable Copier. ISO Buster is a free trial and a $30 pro version. Mm. Unstoppable Copier, that's free. Um, Mac OS has Disk Utility, which will create an image of a disk for you, no problem. Linux has DD Rescue, which, mm. again, will do the same thing. Uh, and now, I, I don't know about you. I've still got loads of stuff on disk, on optical disk, which I would like to get off. I'm not talking about films and TV. I'm talking about data. I'm talking about work that i did stories crap that i downloaded off the internet like <laughs> doctor who sound effects nonsense like that what about you have you managed to already get your stuff off optical disc i've got most of it off these days i've got to say yeah um during my first big house move i, I purged a lot i went digital with it but i've still got stuff like my my uni dissertation and like all of my work that I did basically before university and any jobs that I had and all that sort of stuff. So it turns out you used quite a lot of discs back in the day because, as I was saying, data's cheap now, but it wasn't back then, you know. I remember getting to university and I still had a laptop with a three and a half inch floppy drive and right. I needed to copy something out of it. It didn't have a USB port, it still was that, it was that old. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it was that old. And uh, walking around the rooms in the in the halls I was living in, knocking on each door and saying, does anybody have a three and a half inch floppy <laughs> that I Whoa. can borrow? And the amount of people I met that didn't even know what one was. So I was like, wow, this is this is pretty scary um, on both accounts not knowing what it was and me not being able to get my data off the computer in any way. So, um, that'll learn me for going with a, with a very old, old computer. I'd forgotten the days before USB existed. Yeah. It's so easy now. So simple, but yeah, three and a half inch floppy disks at university. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I'm slightly stuck by that. Cause I'm trying to think my first laptop was a, was a reject from a NHS disposal store and the data was hard drive was wiped and it was only like eight gigabyte <laughs> and it it weighed an absolute ton this yeah 
and the battery lasted about 30, well, actually, you know, something more like 27 minutes. <laughs> uh, I actually went to a meeting, a publishing meeting. Uh, we were, uh, an illustrator I know, and myself were asked to work on a calendar book, a calendar mag sort of mm. magazine come calendar. It's like a different feature on each page and then artwork. And I took that with me because I was on the train. I thought, here's a good idea. I'll take this with me, get some writing done on the way. Fortunately, there was a socket on the train, so I could plug it in and do it that way. So that, yeah, that yeah. was fine. We got with the meeting was at Meadow Hall Shopping Centre in Sheffield because uh, it's considered to be the best point between London, the northeast, and the northwest. And we got there, and we we sat there, uh, the illustrator and myself, for for a good thirty minutes before these guys turned up. And you know, it all it all fell through in, within days of the meeting taking place. Um, and I cracked open the laptop, got everything ready. They come after about twenty five minutes. Laptop goes off after two. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, man. And there's no such thing as like a, a portable laptop battery in those days either. Absolutely. Although I do make sure I have one with me now just in case. Yeah. Although, I, mean, I mean, this laptop lasts, lasts three hours and my, my tablet is a Galaxy S4. That lasts about 10 hours. Ah, yeah. So I, yeah. I, don't have, I don't have those sort of problems anymore. Ah, now Facebook is tracking you, Gavin. It sure is. It's tracking you everywhere and anywhere you go. How do we stop it? I'm going to tell you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I think the first thing to be aware of is how Facebook is actually tracking you. Uh, I'm sure you realise if you go to the Facebook website, it's tracking your activity whilst you are there. However, many people don't realise that when you leave Facebook, Facebook is still tracking you around the internet. And it does that using a variety of methods. Um, The like and share plugins that you find on almost every site these days so you can like and share their content is also hoovering up data and feeding that back into the facebook advertise advertising algorithm um the european union and other nations have tried to enforce rules against facebook doing this but facebook continues to use like and share to track websites like to use it as well because it does make it easy for people to share their content which is you know content is king really these days so why wouldn't they uh, and it has little to no negative effect on the sites anyway so that's that's one way uh, another way is the facebook tracking pickle uh, pickle it's not a pickle it's a pixel <laughs> <laughs> pixels don't taste nearly anywhere good um as pickles but um pixels do allow facebook to track you around Uh, and that is another pixel that they put on every single page and whether or not you agree to the pixel being there it still feeds back data into their algorithm Uh, similarly Facebook cookies now we've talked a lot about cookies on the really useful podcast before it's a small piece of data that pretty much all websites put onto your computer uh, and this contains things like your, your username or your password website preferences and so on um, 
This actually links into the like and share plugin tracking as well. Uh, it knows where you've been and on which websites you have been and that can follow you around. Um, another interesting one is obviously Facebook own a lot of other popular sites and services. The big one, of course, is Instagram. So I think most people are aware now that Instagram is owned by Facebook, but otherwise all that data that you put up on Instagram is immediately shipped over to Facebook. Uh, they also own WhatsApp. Uh, WhatsApp uses end-to-end -end encrypted messaging. There's some conversations going on about what's going to happen to WhatsApp in the in the near future. We know that Facebook most likely can't read conversations, but it can use your location data through WhatsApp to find out where you are, uh, which is something they also definitely do do. Um, so what does Facebook know about you? Well, thankfully, Facebook makes it quite easy for you to find that out. On the Facebook website, you can head to your Facebook ad preferences. Uh, and when you click through, it gives you a nice long list of everything Facebook presumes to know about you. Now, it's quite varied and they do have to make generalizations such as mine includes that I am a massive Call of Duty fan, which is completely wrong. Uh, but it makes some other accurate uh, predictions. I like strategy games. I like board games. I like dance music and that sort of stuff. So it's more that advertisers can pinpoint you with a broad stroke rather than finding out your exact preferences within those within those areas that's why facebook advertising can feel uh, a little scattergun at times um i would also add to it that facebook tracks users even without an account now that's something that comes up quite often as well people think they are free from facebook's tracking because they don't have an account well, the joke's on them. Facebook is well known to keep shadow accounts so that if you do decide to make that Facebook account, your account is suddenly populated with people that you may well know, which makes people think, oh, how on earth could they know that I am that person's friend? Well, it's those friends that you have that are already signed up to the service that have offered Facebook their data and their data has been used to create a profile that fits your data when you sign up to the service. So for instance, if Christian uploads his phone book to Facebook, which it asks you to do if you use the Facebook Messenger app. But well, I won't do that. But he doesn't do that because he's a good man. Um, <laughs> uh, it gives them the option to, well, it lets Facebook have all of the data in his phone book, which they can then collate with the data from everybody else's phone book. And within that phone book, if your email address, your number, your name are in there, Facebook has it. Yeah, it's uh, it's eye-opening stuff. I think you will agree. I'm concerned, especially if you're not on Facebook, mm. potentially if you are as well. Um, now, the interesting thing, I more or less don't use Facebook these days. Uh, uh, you know, there are things that use Facebook on my account, like uh, WordPress and IFTT. I, I I use Instagram more than I use Facebook itself. Okay. 
And I, w- I wonder if that is, I wonder if I'm alone in this. Because I'm seeing a lot of, when I do go on Facebook, I just see loads of posts that come from Instagram. Do you think it increases the rate of cross-posting if you do that? I I think, no, I think people are just relying more on Instagram because they're sharing photos because they know that people are more, I think, you know, photos are things that people engage with more, aren't they, rather than, you know, yeah, text posts, are, you know, there's going to be an opinion in there. It might be political. You're risking, a, like, division between friends and family. I think a lot of people basically don't bother with those types of conversations on Facebook anymore. I I would agree with you to a point. I think a lot of people became quite weary of Facebook during the... It was mainly like the build-up to the, the US election, wasn't it? And then Brexit in this country. And it does seem to have cooled down a little bit since then. Which I think is nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think things are a little bit more trivial, a bit more, more fanish. I think yeah, fanish type of things or things that people are interested in, like heavy interest type material and sort of like family, friends, photos, that type of thing. They're, they're yeah. the main folk. They're certainly the main things I see on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, it's, it's quite it's a bit different. Yeah, which which does differ from a few years ago. Now, if you're on Facebook. You might do what I do, and that is try and keep your uh, public face to a minimum um, in terms in terms of um, maybe family stuff or personal accounts, that kind of thing. And it's possible to set up a profile, so it's private, isn't that right? Yeah. So you can you can have a private Facebook profile. Um, it means essentially going through all of the security and privacy settings and setting them all to either off or, or private or um, Facebook has a setting where you can select certain posts to be what's called only me. So if, if you did post something to your wall, only you could see it, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I think there's varying success. It has to be, a, it, it's an all or everything thing thing in many cases um but facebook there used to be several ways you could you could get around private facebook profiles there were various flaws you could alter the altering the url of of facebook itself was one of them you could find out the account the account specific username and put that into a url uh, and it would let you into their their photos and things like that so people trying to live a private facebook life what weren't able to now i i have mine pretty much private and sewn up and occasionally i will share a photo publicly Mm. but that then sets everything that you post public doesn't it so then you've got to then go back in and put everything back to sort of like friends or, or private or whatever yeah it does have that unfortunate side effect it's Mm -hmm. you know facebook wants your data and they really really want your data (laughs) Uh, so as soon as you make any effort to make a post no matter what that post is it it can change all of your your settings back which is obviously the exact opposite of what you want um there's other ways that people might try and view uh, private Facebook profiles as well. So if you have your Facebook profile set completely privately, someone might create a fake Facebook friend 
and try and befriend you you that way um and then if you are their friend obviously they can they can then look at your profile in greater depth um the other one is there are spyware apps which are definitely a lot trickier to use because it involves getting the spyware app onto someone's phone or or onto their computer uh and it it ramps it up significantly from being uh, a face 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 false facebook friend uh installing a spyware app or malware on someone's computer is 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 illegal um and of course someone might just try and steal your password which again is is illegal because it's breaking and entering essentially so there are things to be aware of if you have a private Facebook profile. Now, these are all very interesting and vital tips that Gavin has given us. Um, however, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. How do you use Facebook? Me, personally, um, I use it to say obscene things about football, soccer. <laughs> Uh, I noticed uh, recently, actually, um, I said at the, at the start of the podcast, uh, I was in Bristol at the weekend and I was with three very good friends. We all met at university um, and this was 2006 to 2010. So this was prime time Facebook explosion. And yeah. we were all talking a lot about how our use of Facebook has completely changed in the decade or so now that we've all, all been on it. Um, you know, and we all use it a significant amount less. You know, in the in the early days, it was oh, it was fun to post pictures of you know nights out or yeah, yeah. that that sort of stuff. You know, and then um, like when we first had kids, we might post pictures of that. None of us do that anymore. Don't post pictures of children. You know, don't share private information. Don't post anything that could be used against you really later on. So I think it's become a lot more, it's become very well known, hasn't it? That that data is never going to disappear. So you do need to be careful about what you say. Unless there's a massive EMP. <laughs> what, like from uh, Ocean Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the huge EM, you know, the one. Or I, I was thinking more of, more along the lines of. Uh, oh, so that's not an EMP, is it? I was thinking of Die Hard, but it's not an EMP. That's just the power going off. Oh, did they use? No, yeah, yeah. That's just the power going off, isn't it? And the vault opening. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's an, e, there's an EMP in Die Hard Four, though, isn't there? Oh, in Die Hard Four. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're getting off the point anyway. Um, <laughs> that data is probably not going anywhere. Uh, well, Gavin, thanks for those uh, Facebook tips. I think it is. Um, thanks. I think it's worth noting that you know Facebook changes its rules and its settings v pretty regularly as things go, as websites go, and it's worth taking the time to stay on top of them. I would agree. Um... There is only so much you can do when they change them so so regularly. The yeah. biggest thing is keeping an eye out on tech news sites like Make Use Of because it's the exact sort of stuff that we cover regularly because we feel very strongly about it. So yeah. if there's a big change to what Facebook's doing with security and privacy, we're going to tell you about it and we'll show you how to, to make the best of a, 
often a bad situation. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, which brings us to the end of this week's really useful podcast, the tech podcast for technophobes. Now, remember, you can find us on pretty much any podcasting platform that you can think of. We're on iTunes, we're on Spotify, Stitcher.com. We're hosted on Transistor.fm. Thank you guys for that. And we're uh, we're also on YouTube. Uh, if you just want to listen on YouTube, I don't know who, what kind of crazy oh, people on would YouTube do that. Music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Uh, now, just to recap in this week's show, we have talked about YouTube Music now coming pre-installed on Android. How a drone found a man who was on the run for 17 years in China. And we've had a look at how to recover damaged optical discs, CDs and DVDs and recover the data from them, how Facebook is tracking you, how you can stop it and how private Facebook profiles can be viewed. Until next time, from myself, Christian Corley and Gavin Phillips and everyone at the Really Useful Podcast, it's goodbye. Goodbye.